Welcome to the Big Presentations Podcast, where we offer encouragement and guidance to those who make big presentations in small rooms. We believe that properly focused practice and preparation result in effective communications. I'm your host, Paul Gibson. Let's get started. So today, what is congruence in presentations? Why does it matter? Let's dive in with this week's core content. Imagine a game of tug of war. On one side, all of the team members are pulling back in the same direction. On the other side, all of the team members are pulling different directions. Some are pulling straight back, some are pulling to one side, some are pulling to the other, and still some are trying to run towards the other team. Who do you think is going to win that tug of war? This tug of war is a great example of the importance of having congruence in communications. Because congruence is all things pulling in the same direction. So if you want your presentation to have maximum power, ensure that all elements of that presentation are pulling in the same direction. The content, the actual words that you're saying, are pulling in the same direction as the body language with which you are presenting it. The words and body language are both pulling in the same direction as the tone of voice that is used to express those words. When you have all of these things pulling in the same direction, then you will be able to better compete against all of the elements working against you. You want to strengthen your message, to answer all of the questions, to overcome all of the objections, to encourage through all of the hesitancies. In order to do that, you need to have congruence. So ask yourself, when I present, are all of my elements pulling in the same direction? Or are there things that create distractions or pulls in different directions? You might think that your sarcasm is funny, but it might just be a distraction. It might be one element pulling in a different direction. So you might get a few chuckles, but your overall message might be weakened and it might fail simply because you did not have congruence. All things were not pulling in the same direction. If your words are full of confidence, but your body language is slumped and withdrawn, once again, not all elements are pulling in the same direction, and this weakens your message. So to have the full strength of your message at work so that you can best connect the audience to your message, make sure that you pursue congruence, remembering that congruence is all elements pulling in the same direction. To make big presentations in small rooms, ensure that your presentation has congruence. So today we're discussing the importance of congruence in communication. But before we do that, let's talk about last week's show. Last week we talked about presentation perfection, and we learned that the traditional view of perfection is overrated. So maybe we need to redefine perfection to be less about perfect scripts and articulation and more about effectiveness. We learned about the power of well-prepared authenticity and how imperfections can help hold an audience's attention and build their investment. It was it was a great episode. Woo! 
You didn't expect me to do that. Now you're paying attention. That's right. Practicing Perfect. what we Perfect. preach. <laughs> Perfectly imperfect on the Big Presentations podcast. That's right. We'll be right back in just a minute to get into this week's topic. And we are back with another interesting conversation. Now, in the core content, you created the mental image of a tug of war. Yeah, I like that illustration because congruence happens when all elements of a presentation are pulling in the same direction. So I have bad memories of losing and getting the rope burns all at the same time. Uh, yeah, losing at tug of war is uncomfortable at the least and painful at the worst. It's it's not a good feeling to be pulled against your will toward a line that just means you lost. <laughs> and we never want to feel that way when we're delivering a presentation. Come on. Right, right. So let's see how we can ensure that all elements of our presentation, all of our team members, they're pulling in the same direction, that all elements of our presentation have congruence. Okay, so we've got a team. Who all do we have on this team of ours? What's the lineup? So our elements, our team members include... The words that we're saying, the tone of voice that we use, and the body language that other people can see. So at a glance, it seems like all those things should and, and would work together, but why would they not work together? Well, quite often they do, and, and that's good. It makes things much easier for the listener. But when they don't, what happens? Well, at the very least, it can create some distractions. And at the most, it creates costly confusion. And that brings to mind a memory from 1999. Okay, we're ready now. <laughs> so for five years, I worked with a church in El Dorado, Arkansas, and it was a sweet time of life for me. The small town had a great town square area, and the people at the church were kind and supportive, and communication was easy because they were characterized by congruence. They were direct and clear in their communications. I mean, the words, the tone, the body language, when I was talking to them, it all seemed to work together. So this became my expectation for all communications. That was just normal and it was easy. And then I moved to Fort Worth, Texas to work with a different group of people. And they too were kind and supportive and playful in ways that just messed with my mind. <laughs> They're teasing. They would, golly, their teasing involved incongruence in communication. And so they, they really got a chuckle out of me. They were amused by my gullibility and my inability to pick up on sarcasm. I lost track of how many times I would answer a question or respond to a comment and then stop and think and ask, are you, are you messing with me? And it, it just, it took a while to acclimate to this culture, you know, this different way of communicating. So I had to pay close attention to all of the elements because I couldn't just assume that they were all going to be sending the same information. So, I mean, that sounds like that would be really awkward for you, most definitely, to have to ask me, like, so are you are you just yanking my chain? Are you having fun with me? <laughs> Am I doing something wrong for real? I mean, but at the same time, it yeah. seems like that is a responsible thing to ask because otherwise you are walking away wondering what people really think of you and if you've done something wrong. So I think overall, I think yeah. despite the fact that that had to be awkward, you probably did the right thing in, in you know, putting your pride aside and, and asking is this what you really mean? And that could be something that other people should probably do the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, 
sometimes they were teasing me in ways that involved decisions that I had made or was about to make. So I really wanted to know, did I mess up or is this a bad idea or not? Because I'm, I'm not sure. And so if there's a change I need to consider, I want to consider it because I don't know what I don't know what's going on here. And sometimes that can be difficult because we're we're embarrassed or maybe we're too proud to ask the question. But man, we could be making some situations worse because we're assuming what someone meant when their words didn't match their tone or their body language didn't match the words that they were saying. And we're taking a gamble when we make those assumptions. We, we might be right, but man, we may be way off base. So when you are the listener and someone is not providing congruence and communications, it might be good to ask to clarify what they mean so that you can have a better understanding of what's going on. And another, what could be considered a side benefit of this is when you do this, people are going to be less likely to be as sarcastic with you in the future. <laughs> One would hope at least. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It could be. It could be. <laughs> but that also brings to mind something else that is something to consider that might be a reason to have the courage to ask that question, especially if it's appropriate for you to be able to ask while the presentation is happening. I mean, sometimes it's not. But if it is a right, situation right. where you feel like it's okay to ask, chances are you're probably not the only person who is confused by that incongruency. And a lot of people are going to be grateful that you were the one willing to say, okay, right. forgive me for asking a stupid question, but are you for real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is am I understanding that you're saying this to be true because I want to make sure that I'm not misreading this in some way? And I think that that also shows that you're paying attention which is not right. a bad thing yeah. as an audience member. Yeah. And, you know, if you're having to do that in the context of this group, you know, this this meeting or whatever, that is providing some accountability in a way. And, and you could do it in a way that's not obnoxious or overly confrontational, but also lets them see that you know this does kind of stand out, that you are doing this, right. that your words are not matching your, your tone. So that's a good point. Um, sometimes we just need to be willing to clarify the message so that we truly understand what's going on. Absolutely. And of course, as a presenter, if you find that this is happening a lot, then you need to make sure that all three members of your team are pulling in the same direction. Good. Right. Yes. And be humble enough to accept that feedback or, or be observant of that feedback so that you can change as needed to make sure that your presentations are effective. So let's talk about what happens when there are incongruencies, when all the elements are not pulling in the same direction. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. This is man, this is such an interesting topic. So we listed three elements of our presentation that should all pull at the same time and in the same direction words and you said tone and body language now what happens when one of them just goes rogue and starts pulling in the wrong direction <laughs> well we can discover what happens and understand the impacts by setting up some hypotheticals okay okay well let's do that let's say that you and i are working on a project together which is something we love to do when we when we meet up it's like let's have something to work on okay so we've got this project we are assembling a big swing set in your backyard, and your mm -hmm. oldest kid is impatiently waiting for it to be done. You know, just, you know, hypothetically. Okay, this sounds very specific <laughs> and like a very realistic illustration. 
It is. It is. It is. And let's say that while you are holding one of the wooden supports of this big old swing set and I am hammering it into a connector that I miss the target in ways that cause you pain. Still very realistic. And and, <laughs> and you look up at me and say something like, good shot, Tiger Woods. So those are the actual words you say, but the tone and the scowl say, stop it. That hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you say that, I have a quick decision to make. Do I believe the words you're speaking or the tone and the body language? Seems like a very easy call to make to me. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But, you know, it's not ideal communication. And, and there's some relational stress that's added to the situation, which causes further distractions, which might make it more difficult for me to get it right on the next swing. Or make you less motivated to get it right on the next one. <laughs> That's true, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got another example, and maybe this just shows how, how stupidly sarcastic I am on a regular basis. But uh, when my wife and I were early in our marriage, and one of the things was very frustrating to me is we would get into a disagreement about something. And whenever, especially then, I would get, I would get like really mad. I would get what I thought was being cuttingly sarcastic. And that was just my way of expressing extreme displeasure. And it didn't matter what I said. I was trying to make a point by being sarcastic, thinking I'm just like, okay, I'm really driving it home at how mad I am. And then she would just egg me on. Like she was making me more mad. And it was obvious she was doing it on purpose. And so I'm just trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Like what, how did I miss this side of her? It's <laughs> like, so I'm, I was like, I'm mad. It's to me, it's thoroughly obvious that I'm mad and she's working on making me more mad. And then finally, after about six months of this, at some point we were talking to some friends and they're like, well, how's married life? It's like, Oh, it's going great. We never fight. I said, excuse me. She goes, we never fight. I said, like, heck we don't. What do you mean? We never fight. She's like, I don't think I can recall a single time when we've actually had like a heated argument. I said, Oh, come on. Like, what kind of airs are you trying to put on in front of so-and-so here? It's like, we we have had disagreements, and you know it. She's like, name one. And I explained the situation. She goes, oh, wait a minute. I thought we were having fun. I said, what do you mean you thought we were having fun? I said, when I get angry, you know I get, like, really, like, cuttingly sarcastic. And she goes, oh, I thought we were just, like, riffing off of each other. And I thought we were kind of, like, playing a game. And I'm like, no, you misread the situation. <laughs> So apparently my sarcasm was so over the top that she thought that we were just like playing characters or improv or something just for no apparent reason. And then once we figured that out, then we got better and we actually got to where we could have a disagreement in a, in a very civil way and kind of hash it out. But it was so funny because she just knew we had never had an argument before. <laughs> and I'm just going, oh, dear God, what, what happened? <laughs> so, yes, it, it, if I had been more direct... And I had said, look, this situation is is making me mad. I, I really don't enjoy this. Um, you know, let, let's let's take a minute and let's talk. Then it would have gone much smoother. But because my approach was not not blatant enough, even though I thought it was yeah. and I was using sarcasm, she completely misread the situation, which was not entirely her fault. But it right, just goes to show right. you have to be clear in these situations. That's good. I like that. I like that. <laughs> okay, so we've had a couple of examples, but Mike, hit me again with another one. No, wait, let me rephrase that. I'm thinking back to the swing set incident. Let's 
let's not do that. Just get, give me another scenario we can talk about. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. I got one. I got one. Okay. Now you have to deal with this a lot when you're training new DJs. What do you, what do you have to tell them about creating congruence with news reports? Okay. This is very true. Now I will, I will forward this by saying that I am not scholarly enough to use words like congruence on a regular basis. So I probably didn't use that when I was talking to them, <laughs> but still, so new DJs and ones who maybe aren't paying attention can, can really mess up by reading a tragic news story or stories with an inappropriate tone. Now, when they do this, the audience has to make a choice. Is the DJ happy that a celebrity died or is this a true story or is it just a joke? Can I even believe the words that are coming out of the mouth? It's a lot to take in and, and you really have to reel that in for them. Okay. So if it's yeah. sad, you need to sound sad. You don't even have to look sad. People can't see you because you're on the radio, but you at least have to sound somber. <laughs> I know I told you to smile because it makes you sound warm, but don't talk about tragedies like this. It makes you sound really creepy. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, because that incongruency is creating distraction and at least a little bit of stress for the audience. Okay. Got one more? So let's think of a time when body language is at odds with both tone and words. Okay. Now, this happens a lot in organizations that have regular large group social meetings. Okay. Where people who are not very close relationally are interacting with each other. And a common way that they will greet each other is to ask a question like, you know, how's it going? Or how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Well, then the person who's being greeted has to make a quick decision, especially if things are not going well. Is it worth the awkwardness to be authentic? Does the other person care? Is the other person trustworthy? Do I want to risk breaking down in tears if I try to talk about this like right here, right now? So the person being asked, how are they doing? Right there, they are filtering through these questions in their mind, and the answers to those questions may lead them to just lie and say in a cheerful voice that they are doing fine. But they can't quite get their body language to cooperate. So the shoulders stay slumped, the gaze is downcast, even though they're using a cheerful voice to say that they're doing fine. So now the listener has to make a couple of choices. What are they going to believe? Are they going to believe the words and the tone? Or... Are they going to believe the body language? I think the body language would be probably where I would lean. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And and then they have to decide what to do with that assumption. Do they pursue it, ignore it, hand it off to somebody else? Yeah. So there are consequences to incongruencies. The listener just might have to do something with their own interpretations and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. We, we know this. The, they, they will make a decision based on their interpretation of that communication, even if that decision results in nothing. Even if they're deciding to do nothing, that in itself is a decision, right? They are deciding not to do anything about it. But it's forced. I mean, this incongruency forced them to make a decision regarding what to do with that information. Right. And, and when there are incongruencies, it seems that most people will prioritize the tone and the body language over the actual words that the person is using. Yeah, yeah. And they'll make decisions based on that reality. One of the decisions they'll make is whether or not to like you and whether or not to trust you. 
Ooh, yeah. And when making big presentations in small rooms, you want to have both as much as possible. You want people to like you and to trust you. Right, right. So presenters should be careful with this congruency. Some forms of incongruence could cost them in terms of trust or likability or or both. This idea of having congruence in communications is powerful, and it, and it may be making you want to learn more about effective communication. So if you, if you are hungry for more, then I encourage you to go to Amazon and get your copy of the book, Big Presentations, in small rooms. You can get it in print, you can get an ebook or an audio book, but go ahead and pick up that copy so you can have even more information to help you make big presentations in small rooms. There will be a link in the show notes. Go ahead and use that to get your copy today and we're taking a quick break from the podcast to just kind of catch up with each other and find out what has been going on this week so mike what you been up to so we are recording two podcasts at the same time right now so this is the second podcast we're recording in this one setting because i am going to be working at a leadership camp that is on campus at lubbock christian university and it's one that i grew up going to it's one that paul was a part of as well and now i get to to help behind the scenes with that camp it's both behind the scenes but it's also has me delivering presentations to small groups of people so i help equip the support staff while i'm there uh, in small group settings uh, so that that's a lot of fun to get to use the things that we're talking about in that setting and there are other people there who are doing similar things there are other people there who are doing more of the upfront teaching uh, which involves a lot of small group teaching as well and there are some of those people who are in the workplace presentations hub so that's pretty cool we have some teachers and trainers in the hub who are going to be a part of this leadership camp. This hub was created for people whose work involves making presentations. So if you fit into that category, come on in and join us. It's a great place to be. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can get there. Uh, and so that's that's where I'm at. As you're listening to this podcast, that's where I'm at is on campus in Lubbock, uh, delivering presentations to small groups of people. So I'm getting ready for that right now. I'm super excited. We're going to be talking about ethics uh, and different characteristics uh, that are important to us and how those play out and the decisions that that we make. So I'm, I'm in prep mode right now, getting ready to deliver those presentations. So what what you up to, Paul? Oh, man, the last few weeks have been interesting because our, our dad was staying with me for a while. I uh, just had my old college roommate come by for a conference and he was here for a few days. He had to make a presentation of his own of a, of a paper that he had written. So that was fun to get to hear how that went. It seemed like it went well. And then, of course, uh, the other thing is we're getting some small remodeling done on our home, which hopefully by the time you hear from me again, will be done in, in a very good and hopefully satisfactory way. But that's always a little nerve wracking. So <laughs> it's been a lot of change oh, around here. Yeah. So other than that, it's just been, you know, it's it's summer. Uh, the kids are home and and my wife is is not having to do as much stuff. She's still got some things going as a, as a college professor. But beyond that, it's just kind of getting used to the new normal of summer and, and trying to get stuff done. So now it's time now that you've caught up with what we're doing. We're going to catch back up with congruence and make sure that everything is pulling in the right direction. Let's get back to the show. What do you think about mm -hmm. sarcasm? I think sarcasm is risky. The potential cost is usually higher than the potential gain. So my choice is to avoid it. 
Well, that's just great. I like sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe your first statement. I do believe your second one. Oh, do you still like me? Well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. But this isn't a big presentation. This is just a podcast, and you're helping me make a point. And what do you have against podcasts? Just a podcast. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> so the point, if we have to get serious again, is that messages that have congruence... You're, I like the fact mm-hmm. that you brought in this big word that I never use. This is good. <laughs> that, that messages that have this congruence, those are the most powerful ones. But, of course, there's one other yeah. angle that we really haven't explored in this, and it's all of them pulling in the right place, but you're not playing tug-of-war, or at least the other person doesn't know you're playing in a weird sort of way because you're just you're, you're pulling all, but, but it's, it's the wrong place. you're playing the wrong game here so i think yeah i like this i like this all elements need to be pulling in the same direction and that direction needs to be the right one it needs to be appropriate for the setting that you're in so uh, imagine a ridiculous scenario here where someone is preaching a funeral and (laughs) they the, the first thing they do when they get in front of the crowd is they say you may notice as you look at me that i have lost weight And I look so much more healthy and fit now than I did the last time you saw me. That is because I am now on the, and you just insert the name of the latest, you know, fad diet. And not only have I been able to lose this weight, but now I am a certified coach and I can help you achieve the same results that you see in me. So if you want to know more, I will be just to the right of the casket here in a little while. And when you come through... I could share a card with you and we can make an appointment. Now, (laughs) everything they said was aligned. Their words, their tone, their body language, it was all well aligned, but it was totally wrong for the setting that they were in. Yeah, it does seem like that wouldn't be good. So how did they react when you did that? (laughs) Never Ever have I done anything like that? <laughs> well, thank God, thank God, because that that just sounds like a it sounds like a waking nightmare. I, I can imagine me having a dream where I was doing that, and somehow it would be like an out of body experience of me yelling at myself from across the room. Stop it! Stop, Stop it! it! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Somebody shoot me! Come on! <laughs> But, you know, there are times when people get up and they don't do something that bad, but they do something pretty bad simply because they have not thought it through. So they get up and they just start talking and whatever was last in their mind comes out of their mouth, whether that is appropriate for the situation or not. So even if you're called on at the last moment, you need to take a second And this has happened to me where my second that I'm taking to gather my thoughts is happening as I walk from my seat to the podium because somebody just called me up out of the blue to say something. And so I'm having to furiously filter everything so that what I say is appropriate for this specific situation. Because if you just start talking, you're likely to be pulling in the wrong direction. Make sure that your congruency is appropriate for the setting that you're in because you do want to have all elements pulling in the same direction and that direction be good. (laughs) 
as opposed to shilling out business cards with your workout info on it beside a <laughs> casket at your uh, aunt's funeral. Once again, go back to that idea of the tug of war. All of your team members, all of the elements, if they're pulling in the same direction, that maximizes your power. If you've got tone going in one direction, body language going in another direction, your words going in a third direction, then the audience doesn't know what to do with that. And they're distracted at the least, confused at the most in ways that could cost you in terms of both trust and likability. So if you want to overcome resistance to your ideas, because remember, there's another team out there pulling in the opposite direction. When you're playing tug of war, you're having to overcome something in order to win. So if you want to overcome that resistance to your ideas, then you got to make sure that you keep all of your elements working, pulling in the same direction to support your message. Wow. And when you have that congruence in your communication, you're on your way to making big presentations in small rooms. Have you been able to use some of the things that we talked about on the show? Well, let us know about it. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what information you found the most useful and made your presentation better.